Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Marvel, a Marvel movie, I don't think will ever be Oscar worthy in that sense. Yeah, because probably right. they're they're popcorn, you know. Uh, to be fair, I don't really res- I don't really respect Oscar nomination in general <laughs> now. Book to film adaptations. Welcome, welcome. No, we're getting right into it. Screw the welcomes. No, I want to talk. I'm excited. So right. actually, not just book to film adaptations. We're talking just adaptations in a broad subject matter. Yeah, just adaptations in general. So whether that's to, you know, book to movie, movie to TV show. Yeah. What it is not an original work; it is an adaptation of something else. Yeah. And this, so I was looking into specifically book to film adaptations for this stat because I thought it would be a good way to start off the convo. In that of. All movies that have been released. You're in such a rush, you have to shorten the word conversation to combo. <laughs> I just got to spit off stuff, all right? Here's I'm some sorry, stats I, for I you. Couldn't, I couldn't take that seriously. I'm going to start talking in like abbreviations, so or get used to it. You were, you were too used to TikTok where time is limited and you have to shorten everything, even your sentences. <laughs> all right, so to start off the conversation, I was thinking about the complex intricacies of what I could say. Yeah, that better? Better? Yeah, okay. that's better. I appreciate it more. No problem. It sounds a bit more pretentious, and that's more my speed. Okay. So, book to film adaptations. Th- yeah. This point took forever to get to. <laughs> I do my job well. <laughs> so, of things that are adapted, into, of books that are adapted into films, ones that have a book as source material get 53% more in revenue than ones that are original screenplays. Does that surprise you? No. Not one bit. Why doesn't that surprise you? I mean, it already has an audience. It it's proof of concept. Like, mm. if it actually, if the book itself did well, that means oh, at least the story is actually telling, and it's not going to flop as a yeah. story. It just depends on how you implement it. Yeah, exactly. And worst come to worst, you have an audience that will watch the film. 
guaranteed because mm-hmm. they like the book. And even if it's a bad film, typically you'll go out and watch the movie just to see for yourself. Yeah. I couldn't help it. Just I mean, there's some terrible adaptations out there that I've still gone and seen because I was interested in. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 70% of the world's top 20 grossing films are based on books. So time yeah. and time again, you could think there's so many out there. I mean, Hell the Godfather. Yeah. Is that based on books? Yeah. Based on a book. Oh, wow. So um, that, that's some surprising. of the biggest movies ever. Like, I I actually didn't know this before kind of looking them up. Forrest Gump, based on a book. Didn't know that. Though we'll get into it later, but loosely. Based Very on loosely? Book. It actually is a, it goes a little different direction than the book actually does. Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, p- filmmakers, directors, they love getting to source material because it's already written and it has an audience does better in the box office and i didn't know this but the top uh sorry the most reused and repeated book to film adaptation ever this movie has been done seven to eight times robin hood not robin hood surprisingly little woman have you even heard of it little women little woman yeah no woman just a n oh and so the most recent movie just came Mm -hmm. out in like 2019 with meryl streep the first movie came out in 1917 in World War One, oh, and it's based on a book from 1868. Yeah. So that's been done seven to eight times. There's been other book to movie adaptations that have been done like three, four times, maybe even five. But that that's number one up there. So this is uh, this is something that people people love seeing their books on screen, and it's a good combo to start off on. So what did you what did you end up finding when looking into this? I'll be honest, most of my research is never like. Internet stuff is just me trying to think about stuff yeah. and then eventually tr- go to the internet to find examples for what I'm thinking mm. and to remember names and stuff, which I'm terrible at. But my main thought about this is I kind of had myself a question thinking about the Rings of Power from Amazon. Like, why does source material matter in an adaptation? And the subsequent uh, question of when does it not matter? And so what are the benefits for the movie producers? What's the benefits for the fans on both sides of the aisle? Because I don't think it is binary where, oh, hey, it's not, it's not uh, adhering to the source material uh, perfectly. Oh, it must mean it's bad. No, it's not true. Like, there's been plenty, there's plenty of good reasons to stray away. However, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons to stay close to the source material, so that's kind of my thought. So, on a film producer side, what do you think is the benefit of actually staying close to the source material? The source material worked. If it's a successful franchise or if it's a successful book series, there's a reason it is. Yeah. So, I think you should always stray toward the side of keeping it as accurate as physically possible to a mm. book. But the hardest thing to keep accurate is a lot of books are internal dialogue. And thoughts inside the character's head, which is extremely hard to show on an adaptation. So if you can pull off as close as possible to the book, I think that's where you'll find the most success. Yeah, I actually thought about the the audience. Uh, the audience actually is a huge asset for film, film uh, producers. Because if it actually does stay really close to the uh, source material, typically most fans will be really supportive of it they will advertise it for you freely oh yeah and it's one of the best word of mouth campaigns is fans of the original source will tell their friends who aren't have never watched it and they want to 
talk about it with other people. Right. It kind of gives a, the fan side of things, the fan of whatever original source, the benefit for them is whatever the source was, This the new medium or a new version can bring new life and new excitement to something old. Yep. And also it can give people that... It can give... Uh, you can actually talk with other people about it. So, for example, I love Wheel of Time. But... Do you? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you like Wheel of Time? But Whoa. nobody... Barely anybody has time to read, like, 14 books plus yeah. a prequel book. And I can't talk about it with anybody. However, the new show gives me the opportunity of... It's way easier to say, hey, buddy, watch this show. Yep. You know, you know, watch a couple episodes of the show, see if you like it, and I can talk about my favorite franchise with them. Like that that's the real great thing. It brings more people to the table and I can talk about something I really love. That's a good point. That yeah. that's a that's a wonderful thing. That's why I was mainly excited for the T V show is I know I have many friends who won't read the books, but they can watch T V and so I can talk with them about my favorite thing. Got it. And the disappointment is when they see the show and go, oh, I didn't really like it that much. Or it was kind of boring. And it gives a poor, it's a poor interpretation. And it reflects poorly on the source material. Because yeah. they haven't read it and they don't know. And so it turns people off to the original source material, mm-hmm. potentially. Yeah, I think you were super excited when Wheel of Time came out. And yeah. would you say the source material strayed too far away from the book? Why didn't it come out like Robert Jordan intended in the first book? Well, they made so many changes to the point of... I don't think there was any scene that was like actually taken from the book. Ooh. Like, they began and ended in this roughly the same place. But everything in between was... Very different. Like, okay. And I don't buy the fact of, oh, they didn't have enough time. They had to condense things. Maybe. But they added whole episodes. I think there were like, there's at least two episodes worth of added material. Jeez. That's completely original. Where it wasn't inspired. Like, there's plenty of scenes that, like, are inspired by stuff in the book. Mm-hmm. And they're, or merging of two scenes into one. And like, oh, I get where they kind of got that. Yeah. But if they cut out the stuff that was brand new, they would have had time to do things. So, but I think that's that's the benefit for for it, and also money. <laughs> yeah, no, the, for the producers, it's if you do it well. Yeah, but that's the thing. If it, when is it not like when is it not okay uh, to? When is it okay to not follow it? To not adapt your book? No, no. To not follow closely to the source material. Okay. Because Mm. there is a genuine... There's genuine reasons for that, actually. Like, kind Hmm. of my thought on it is... When the... When the source material directly conflicts with the medium that you're trying to use, significant changes have to be made. Okay. Now, either that you have to really deviate from the source material or not do that adaptation in the first place. How do you do that? That's do you have an example of something that didn't stay very true to the book that was super successful? Princess Bride. That's a great example actually. Princess Bride is very like the movie, great. Yeah. I think I read the book a long long time ago. But 
the meat. So from the movie side of thing, it's grandpa telling his grandson a story. Uh-huh. Nowhere. <laughs> That's not the Princess Bride. And Princess Bride is a fantastic movie. I love yeah. it. Yeah. But the book, it's all, it also, the movie cuts out a bunch of stuff, like most of the book. <laughs> like it keeps, it's almost like a highlight reel huh. of the book. And then the medium it's told is a grandpa telling a story that's not the same way in the book. Okay. So, and hey, that worked out. It worked out really well. It, they're trying to play to the medium that it is. But as long as you get the heart of it, people are fine with it. That's a great example. Because that is a very successful adaptation that, I guess, doesn't stay very true to the source yeah. material. Forrest Gump, in addition, the book is far darker. Far darker. Doesn't he movie. go to the moon in the book? I did yeah, read that. Think, yeah. Gump goes to the moon. But the story is takes a more darker approach, far more introspective, and the movie is doesn't do that. It has a far more hopeful tone, but okay. That's a that's a deviation from honestly a lot of the heart of the book, but they did it well. Based on what you just said, a theory is convulsing in me. If it is a one-off book, meaning Forrest Gump is a solo book, or Princess Bride is just it's, yeah. There's one book and it gets adapted. Maybe you can stay a little bit less true and make that work in a movie. However, when you have a series like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, Wheel of Time, that has a beginning and end that's plotted out and fine-tuned to where this, these things have to happen for it to make sense later. Maybe you have to stay a lot more true to the book, to the uh, source material for it to work. Compared to Princess Bride, it's mm. more of a fun, you know, you have this fairy tale, Forrest Gump goes on these random adventures, and mm-hmm. you could still get to the end by cutting out a lot of scenes and adapting it in different ways. What do you think about that? I think it's definitely, it's much harder to get to your end goal if you're, it's the same thing of, uh, what it, the angle? So if you're trying to hit some, if you're trying, if you're uh, aiming in whatever, like a bow and arrow, or take your pick. But a slight slingshot. slingshot. Sure. Okay. Yeah. You take a slight um, degree change at the source. Yeah. That may be just a fraction, fraction of degree, at ten feet. Not a big, not a big difference. At two miles, you're widely different places. So mm. it's minor change at the beginning. You Compounds. can see, yeah, you can see its yeah. effect far more. Yeah, at, the longer it goes. So you got to. I think with real time, when they do the show, you have to say very true the source material. Sure, yeah. you can stray. It can't be. It can't be word for word. Yeah, no, I don't. Like most people, I would imagine don't want that. That's why Lord of the Rings works in a yeah. movie. It does not stay. It's not a hundred percent accurate to the book. Well, the difference here is, I think Lord of the Rings proved that if you're going to change things, the change should mostly be cutting. Yes. Like, cuts and maybe combinations. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't really be adding. If you find that you're adding too much, right? that's where you're, you're straying off the path. Yep. Because, and there are examples, you can add, I guess, but needs to be rare it's tough because it's better you're going to anger the fans of the books as well or you can go like um batman animated series made brand new characters and everyone mm. loves it but that is more of a continuing i don't know if that's really an adaption 
comic books are kind of different. But well, let's say if you were an author and you had a successful book series, so we're talking fairy Mm -hmm. tale, right? I mean, for either of us, we're talking. It's not happening. But let's say you're an author of a successful series, and you get approached by a producer that wants your book to become a TV show, and another producer wants yours to become a film. And I don't. There's going to be no different numbers. Who knows which one you'll make more money on? But what would you want as an author of your treasured series? Would you want it going on TV or would you want it going on film? Depends on how long my book is. Let's say it's a trilogy. Oh, then television, TV. Yeah. That eat, why that quickly? I mean, it's time. It's time frame. Like, hmm. An eight episode television could just be an eight hour movie broken into hour segments. Yeah. Where a movie, you're stuck at about three hours at maximum. Okay. Like, if you get it. Maybe so you, you you'd want it. everything, you know, you'd want your, your baby, your treasure to be all the scenes possible adapted as true to your source material. And you think you can get that out of a show. I don't More think it'd so be better. Than, yeah. Hell, I mean, maybe even, like, mini. Like, let's say if I have a shorter book. Mm-hmm. You can do a mini TV series. Okay. And you just... You have the amount of episodes that it takes to do the story correctly. And then that's it. Maybe it's seven. Maybe it's 12. Okay. Who knows? But just give it the time it needs. But that's a pipe dream. Like, it, right. There's, of course, producers and, you know, how much money they're willing to put down on it. So I would prefer television, I think. What if I told you that the producer of this show is the CW? Yeah, no. That'll be a hard pass. What if it's... Uh, are you okay with Netflix? You wouldn't want your show on uh, Netflix? Okay, how about Amazon Prime? <laughs> Definitely not, no. How a about hard pass? HBO. I'll take HBO. Okay, so HBO's your only acceptable HBO. They do, they do it right um, as long as they have source material, like Game of Thrones. They're yeah. solid. Seasons one through six, they got books. Great, D&D are doing a great job. As soon as it goes, no source material, falls off a cliff. There is a moment of self-introspection where even if the adaptation is poorly done, yes, it's disappointing to the fans, but it is always important. Like The source is still there. Mm -hmm. And I think no better example than Avatar, the last Airbender movie. What movie? Yeah, no. It is one of the worst movies. No, no, let's stop this conversation. That no, it's one of the it. it's one of the worst movies ever put to film. No, it is the worst. It has to be. There's not the it, room. It you know the the awful. room with Tommy Wiseau. That is an objectively better movie. Than it's it. funnier at least. It is because Enjoyable. you can sit there and laugh and giggle at how ridiculous it is. Avatar: The Last Airbender. Uh, your brother Aang is just. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's terrible. And why is it so terrible? Go ahead, just well, go off. I'm ready for it. Well, no, the thing is, like, it will be forgotten. It already mostly is. Like, the only people that, like, bring it up are people like me that actually care about the source material. But it will disappear into the zeitgeist and Avatar, the show, is still there. And that's what people rewatch. So that's something important to think about. Like, even though an adaptation may be bad, it doesn't take away the source material. It's disappointing in the moment and frustrating as hell. But the... Time will only tell. Like, it, like Amazon Rings of Power comes out. If it sucks, which I think it probably will, it will pass. It'll go. 
barely anybody will watch it, or if a lot of people do watch it, but it's not that good, so people forget about it. Mm. And in a couple years' time, they go, oh, yeah, there was a show, but that, but hey, the Peter Jackson films, like, that's what people care about. They've, but, so, they've transcended the books in some ways. The books, oh, and the books are... Ways. The books have a more select community that have read them, but everyone's seen Lord of the Rings. I've read, actually, some interesting frustrations on Reddit, and people just talking about Lord of the Rings, where huh. they they read the books and before the movies came out, and that if you look at art done for Lord of the Rings pre-movies, yeah. it's vastly different than art made after the movies. And not, and I'm not talking about like art directly taken from the film. Yeah, I'm talking about like the art from the Silmarillion. Yeah, like, all the people like Alan Lee. Alan Lee is an illustrator for Lord of the Rings material, and Ted Nadsmith. Mm-hmm. You look at their art, and it's not ripping things from the movies, but it's inspired, and it looks like the movies. You can't ever get that out of your head, and it's difficult. Because it's, a per, it's permanently ingrained in our heads now. How can you ever not think of what Mordor looks like or uh, the version of Mordor on well, film? Great, great example where the, the films elevated the yeah. books is the eye. Oh, so did they not have source material for the eye before that? Did Tolkien... Well, it was Alan more... It's never specifically said, like, the eye of Sauron is not... Literally a flaming eye in the tower. Okay. But it, it is like through the, um, you know, the orb. I'm blanking on the name of it. But that is so, it's, you know, Sauron's eye is on you. Yep. It's not literally the, the a red flaming eye, but it's such good imagery. Okay. That it was kind of added. So it's not like Tolkien said there, it's not specifically there, but that was the film's version of showing a more internal thing, like just saying someone's eye is on you. They in the movies they actually showed it. Got so, it. Something that has transpired, but it's interesting how that adaptation is in many ways transcended uh, the books themselves. Mm-hmm. And both the books and movies are perfect mm-hmm. representations of what they can in their medium. Uh, I've wanted to bring up, by the way, some so some typical book to film adaptations that we all know, mm-hmm. stuff like The Wizard of Oz, The Shining, To Kill a Mockingbird, uh, Schindler's List, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, right? These are all ones that we know are booked to film adaptations very popular. Mm-hmm. And some little known, one, little known ones, Forrest Gump you mentioned earlier, is yeah. we didn't, you know, not everyone knows that's yeah. that was a book that became a movie. One of the really interesting ones I found was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. You know that film? Never heard of it. Really? Yeah. Oh my god! So it's it's an eighties movie, and it kickstarted the it's kickstarted the careers of people like Sean Penn, uh, and okay, and Nicolas Cage too. It kickstarted I, their careers. I'm sorry, I haven't seen the movie, but I do know of it. Yeah. You've definitely heard of it and seen some pictures, and it's it's yeah. it's very it's very much on social media. It's out there on YouTube. You'll find it everywhere. Uh, but this so Fast Time at Richmond High was based on a book, and why I thought this, this was the most interesting story I think I've I found while while looking into this. Hmm. The screenwriter for uh, the screenwriter for the movie Fast Times at Richmond High was Cameron Crowe, and he graduated high school at the age fifteen. So he was, I guess, a super genius who graduated at the age of fifteen, mm-hmm. and deciding that he wanted to obtain the teen teenage experiences he never had. Cameron Crowe, the screenwriter, 
enrolled in a public San Diego high school in 1981 under a fake name at the age of 22. And he started chronicling the lives and encounters of actual teenagers he befriended on the inside. And the movie's about like sexual assault. It, it, it covers a lot of deep topics. So he goes on this covert mission as a 22-year-old in high school and starts writing this book about things that he sees in people he befriends. Which, what do you think about that? A 22-year-old just plopping into high school in the 80s to do a little side project. Is that is that creepy or is that art? I I just want those times back where... Like you could do that, like you. Oh, you don't have an idea. Like you just give a fake name. Like who's gonna find <laughs> out? Like you had true anonymity. Like, you could do now. Like they just go, they pull up your social media. Like they have all. Like you are never anonymous. Yeah. You never can be. But you can just. Yeah, I'm just gonna drop in and change yeah. my name. And all right, you want a job here? You you're on Tudor Rambles podcast. I hate them. Why <laughs> why are you applying here? Like, but. Uh, two tenths creepy, eight tenths art. Two tenths creepy, eight tenths art. Okay, so you lean on the side of art. Like I lean a, on the side of art. And now, if it was a bad movie, creepy and bad art, he's screwed. Well, the main thing is how close to like is he befriending people or like maybe started actually going out with them. Like there's there's can be creepy things to do, but just going there, I don't think is essential. Like not. Who knows what exactly he befriended people. I don't know how how intricate it got, but the movie itself has some deep topics like abortion, statutory rape, and other subjects. So who knows? Who -hmm. knows what happened? But uh, as far as we know, he went on to have other successful movies like Jerry Maguire. Oh. With you know, with uh, Tom Cruise, yeah, yeah, and that that's that's the movie where you get some famous lines like "Show me the money," mm-hmm. and uh, "Oh, you had me at hello," like those famous quotes. Uh, so he went on had a successful career, and that was a huge movie. And like I said, Sean Penn, Nicolas Cage got their careers blown up from that, hmm. and it was all from a guy creeping on high schoolers. Two tenths creepy. I- I'm gonna say three tenths. I think it's a you little more creepy. Tenths. Yeah, right. I- I'm going three tenths. <laughs> Uh, go you know, on. Yeah, you know it's it kind of made me think about the adaptations on how exactly, like from the production side, what is a good reason for them to stay away, and I think what will actually gain the fans' support. There is a difference in an adaptation that is trying to replace what the original. When a when a film producer says, "Hey, this is." the interpretation of Lord of the Rings, Magnificent Seven, Star Trek, Star whatever it is. And if it's a direct continuation, they're going to be really closely tied to it. But if it goes straight out of left, like, hey, the, this is inspired by this medium. Okay. Fans, get, I think, give it far more room. It's, mm. There's far more leeway. I think one of the best examples is Star Stargate. So Stargate started. I, as a I movie. haven't seen Stargate. So I love yeah, it. give it's me one a of quick, my favorite quick tale. rundown of Stargate. Stargate U.S. military discovers a ring that actually can create wormholes to other planets. Sounds sick. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, found in Egypt. Apparently, ancient Egypt actually was settled by aliens and classic humans were slaves. And then eventually, for some reason, left. Okay. U.S. military gets the string up and running. They go to this desert planet where 
it all looks like Egypt, like ancient Egyptians kind mm-hmm. of thing. And they find the alien, they free the people, and they blow it up, and they go home. Awesome. Fun movie. Great. That's it. And it's, it goes to this one planet. That okay. doesn't say anything else. It's just a movie. And this is an adaptation? The television show comes afterwards. So the Sometime movie was after. the first. The movie's the first. Then they had a television show. Then they have a television show. Okay. Completely new actors for the main characters. Got it. Takes place after the film, but doesn't really make the film canon. Has their own version of it. And they just run with it. <laughs> they, they, they like, start there. Like, the movie kind of happened, like, loosely. <laughs> Is it canon still, or? Well, no, but it's... No. No. Not just really. kind of, it's its own separate thing at that point. It's its own separate okay. thing, but they just run with it. Like, yeah. oh no, we, we go to other planets. Like, it can connect to other systems, and there's a bunch of different, and they come up with their own original when stuff. When did this come out? Oh, it's like 1990s, 80s. Okay. Late 80s. I was, was going to ask 90s. if it was pre or, pre or post Star Wars. So, uh, clearly post Star Wars. Post. Got post. it. Yeah. Okay. But no, it, that um, it goes its own direction. So, people f- that are fans of the movie still have it, and the TV show is not trying to replace it. It's just yeah. doing its own thing. Same thing with Magnificent Seven and The Seven Samurai. People who made The Magnificent Seven were like, hey, I like that. Let, we're inspired by it. Let's take that and put it in a different setting mm. where it's clearly different. So and if, so fans, fan, like, that's great. you're never going to like try to replace it. Where Ghostbusters 2016, it isn't, they didn't name it something like, you know, Ghostbusters 3, they're not trying to... They're trying to replace original Ghostbusters. It's the same title of the movie as the original Ghostbusters. So they're just... It's a replacement. They're basing it on the source material and just trying to replace it. Versus it oh, is it's inspired on. Because they don't acknowledge movie. the original. It's, it's like, yeah. hey, this is the new version. Here's the definitive. Don't you like this one? This Because you when you ask, oh, you watch Ghostbusters? They go, oh, which one? 2016 or... The original. No, the original. Yeah, but you have to actually put a date to it instead yeah. of the name of the movie. Like either if you make it the same title. Compared it, to we just watched, not just watched, maybe a couple months ago, watch Ghostbusters Afterlife. It's a different name. Which was a neat movie that based itself off of the original. Uh, it, it, you it's actually a had, continuation, exactly. but it's its own thing. It is. It's not trying to replace it. And so if you're it was not a cute trying movie. Pretty yeah. good. But if you're not trying to replace the source material, I think fans give you a far wider berth. I totally agree with that. And so I think that's definitely a good way for film production to deviate from source material. If they yeah. take it beyond, like, it's an inspiration, but we're going to move past it. Yeah. And for fans, why it would be cool is it's a different perspective. Like, it can actually be a fun twist. Like, no matter how many times I read these books, or, you know, they never change. It'd be neat to take, oh, let's take um, Wheel of Time, but a different setting. Or let's do it off of you know older characters. Hey, let's follow these perspectives instead. It's new. It can be neat if it's deliberately different. And prediction, by the way, the next major film adaptation that's going to, I think, shatter records mm. will be Sanderson's Stormlight Archives or Mistborn. But since I've read Stormlight I think Archives, Mistborn's going first. Either I one, think. it's going to shatter. I, I think it's going to be the next big thing once it does eventually. It will become a show or a film. Yeah. Almost without a doubt. And After th- his Kickstarter, I I think it's almost bound to happen. It's kind of inevitable. Plus, I think he was writing 
Mistborn screenplay he is. in the background. He's doing everything at once. So he he was mentioning things about it. However, he stopped talking about it. Oh. So maybe he's done. I'm not sure. Maybe it's another step. But out of out of all the books you've read, that's not a film or a show yet. What do you mm. want adapted other than Brandon Sanderson? Because you know that's the easy answer. But mm. is there something you really want to see on screen that hasn't had enough uh, credit yet? That doesn't get the recognition it deserves. I know you've got some good ones over on my side over here. Yeah, I'm honestly some of the some of the movies would be like I think Hyperion, but The Expanse, Leviathan Wakes is already a television show. Mm. Uh, it's a good one. Haven't seen all the way through, but what about what like. that series right there, the Lacanus tr- uh, trilogy? Is that what it's called? It'd be neat. I'm not sure how well it would be adapted to film or television. But but it does I really like, well as books. Yeah, really well as books. I'm not sure how well it would do there. Rage of Dragons should really be a film. Oh, it'd be. It hits all the boxes. It's an entirely African class, so entirely black cast. I don't want to see one single white motherfucker in here. But not one. What, are, what about like you know? <laughs> no that, pasty just, skin just, just, people. <laughs> None, because that the book is. African yeah. culture and it is inspired by African mythology and it is awesome and badass and the characters are great. It would be a perfect film because it has a neat beginning, middle, end. I think it, so. I wouldn't really want a television show for it. You'd want a movie. I want a movie. Okay. And I don't know why it has it hasn't a sick been, been name. Done. So that could very oh, easily yeah. be advertised. Oh, you got, you get the people who did the dragons from HBO to come in and use the dragons for, for the movie oh, from Game of Thrones. It'd be sweet. Yeah. What do you uh, speaking of Game of Thrones? What do you think are some of the worst book to film, book to movie adaptations ever? What comes to mind? Avatar: The Last Airbender, yeah, out of the yeah. way. That's the Not, worst ever. Sure. Um, oh, sorry. That's show too. It's a show to movie. So but... book to movie, book to show. What do you think are some of the worst? Oh. I'll, I'll start you off with one. Hmm. Percy Jackson. Sure. That's definitely one of them. Ch- my childhood was filled with Percy Jackson. I know you've read them. Honestly. Yeah, I read them. You like you enjoy them, but sure. um, you're not infatuated with them. I'd say I, I read them once when I was in middle school. Okay, I I love them. They're great. I don't talk about them enough, but they are. Mm. They're it's a great book series, and the films do not do them justice whatsoever. And what's really shocking about that is the director of Percy Jackson mm-hmm. was the same director as Harry Potter. Ooh. So how do you flub that? Uh, it's it, the the problem with thinking about like the bad adaptations is they do disappear. Mm. They disappear from your mind. Like I don't remember the bad ones. Like, okay, yeah, that's true. I had to look up some bad ones and re- rejog my memory. And there, some... there's so much. A nice thing about history is when you look back, you really only remember the good stuff. Yeah. Or we have the very bad... selective, uh, positive-seeking memories. Yeah, I mean... That's why nostalgia is so powerful. You know that? Yeah. Nostalgia is such a powerful emotion because we look back at our lives, at high school, at middle school, and we think so strongly of all the good things that happened, so we get that dopamine rush rather mm-hmm. than, you know, not everything was that hunky-dory. Well, you know, it kind of makes me... It makes me think about... When you talk about these adaptations, when do you think... Art becomes content because I, I'll give a I'll give a specific example. Marvel. There's a point 
in the Marvel Cinematic Universe where I think it stopped becoming art and it became content. Because hmm. you look at Iron Man, and it has this tonal difference that it doesn't feel like any of the other Marvel movies. It is its own thing. It's unique. It was the first. And after Hulk was they the start first. take that back. <sighs> no one remembers that no, movie. No, no one does. But you start uh, looking further, and all the Marvel movies now feel the same. Even the television, they all have this formulaic corporate feel to it where it is content there there's so much you can't watch it all so i see what you're saying i still love spider-man no way home That's, there's <laughs> there, there's always some there, good ones in there but what marvel does still. i they they're just putting out a ton of movies and they have a formula and yeah. the formula clearly works if they're they're making boatloads of money at the box office uh and i will say as much they do have misses, they they have a yeah. lot of misses there. Like Eternal just came out, wasn't great. Um, they have they've had a, a Hulk, Thor, Dark World. There's plenty you can name that are just worse than B tier movies. But then they'll pop up with a Guardians of the Galaxy, a Spider Man No Way Home, an Avengers mm-hmm. Infinity War, Endgame, which they do have these very formulaic ways of making them. Which sure at that point maybe it's just more of a you know it's content producing. They've got these shows coming out with. Every Falcon single one of soldier and every single one of the shows to me, like whether I liked it or disliked it, felt far more of like content. Like this didn't need to be here. You're just trying. You're just trying to pump something out. Like just overly milking the teat of the cow. Like it's it's that meme of like the cow that's just dehydrated and the farmer's yeah. just trying to go, like. Oh, what what about the Loki who disappeared in that one scene in event? Let's see where he goes. Like enjoyable for time, but like, ugh. I enjoyed Loki quite a bit. Or, I did not enjoy Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and Winter Soldier, like, oh, from beginning to end, like the at the end of Endgame, Falcon gets the shield and becomes the new Captain America. End of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, he gets the shield again and becomes. The new Captain America again. <laughs> it's, it's it wasn't content. needed. It, it was content at that point. Where Wanda, uh, WandaVision started a kind of interesting premise, but by the end, you're just like, Ugh, it's more just content. It's something I get to those watch. Grievances. I, I go into Marvel though; it's very popcorn like. Like if you know, you go to yeah. watch a movie, you're gonna watch it. It's a it's a fun little. I'm not going into a Marvel movie looking for a Godfather. I'm not looking yeah, for a masterpiece of... You can enjoy content, but it's just sometimes you think, like, sure. kind of want more. I'll I, say, I would okay. rather... Marvel A Marvel movie, I don't think, will ever be Oscar-worthy in that sense. Yeah, because probably right. Because they're, they're popcorn, you know... Uh, to be fair, I don't, really res- I don't really respect Oscar nomination in general <laughs> now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But regardless... Marvel movies, I I don't think they'll be that artful in that you know you're not gonna look back and go this was defining for uh, for these kind of films. This was a no. You're not gonna get that. You're gonna get I think enjoyable movies produced that mm-hmm. you can sit back and have fun with. I think the the identifiers of when a show becomes whatever kind of movie or television show becomes content and not art is when they start heavily relying on surface level um, parts of parts of the uh, film. Yeah. And that comes from like the actor. So heavily reliance on like, Hey, look, it's this big actor. Look at them do things. 
and then the action. Action's pretty neat, but if it's just visually neat and not like thematically or like you don't feel something like where I feel worried for the character or yeah. oh it, this is significant for the like it's cathartic action like if it's just action for action's sake and it just looks neat which is fun it's enjoyable but you combine that with it's just the actor the action the music and then the grandeur it's big for big sake mm. you know like it's bigger and better than ever where when you see a film that's just heavy reliant on that i think that's when i start Ooh. finding that ah uh, this is just corporate content i'm surprised you brought up marvel first because when I think of something that's absolutely just become content and hmm. despisable content. This is going to be a little controversial. I mean, I think people will agree with this, but Star Wars. Star- Completely agree. Uh, I know you'll agree yeah. with this, but Star it's gotten so bad. The movies recently have gotten so bad. Uh, with the exception of I did enjoy Rogue One. I, I think it's an enjoyable, pa- above passable movie. But you want to... What I just said mm-hmm. so applies to Rogue One, where beginning and ending it is unnecessary. Sure, but at least at least it's Ugh. a good film, though. I think it's a good film. But with that aside, Han Solo, the complete new trilogy, and even going back to the pre—I'm talking only movies, like set Clone Wars, set Mandalorian aside. Prequels, I wouldn't say is that kind of—it's not good, but it's not content like just cranking out from the machine. That's still George Lucas trying something new. Correct. It's not good. No, no, but they're not great movies. But it's not you're just trying to pump up content for box office success. Yeah, no, it it's George Lucas trying something that he wanted to do. Whereas the new trilogy and these, you know, the Han Solo story and Boba Fett, we didn't see, but I think that's just. I've heard it's not. I I I watched like, I watched the episode with the Mandalorian in it. Yeah, did you? Yeah, Mandalorian's a good show. It's fun, Uh, but also, are are you gonna? Should we watch Obi Wan? The Kenobi, uh, what is it called? Kenobi coming out. Is it a show just called Kenobi? I think maybe Obi Wan. I, I think we should give it a shot, but I I think Star Wars has got it's gotten so frustrating to where it it's just so a poor it's, taste in my mouth. it's so corporatized now that it's hard to sit there and know you're walking into like you're not going to get your Star Wars from the seventies eighties ever again. Uh, but no, you do have your good shows like Clone Wars, and you do have your good shows like Mandalorian. But I'm talking just movies. It's I, I hate the new trilogy with such a passion. It it is that's a hard thing to define like corporatized because like you know it when you feel it. Yep. But to sit down and put a definition on there is hard. I, I think maybe it's when you can tell that a decision was made in the movie purely because oh it worked last time. Like, oh, remember that. Like, it's all the member berries kind of thing of when you see scenes in a movie that is clearly like, hey, this this happened before. Remember hey. that? And it's like a direct scene cut off or a character's like arc is the same as the previous one because the previous one worked. So I think a lot of that corporate feel is when it's not new. Yeah, when it's not new, that does happen. And I do want to end on a good note. mm you know, you tr- you tried to trash Marvel a little bit over there. Oh, I just I want to end it on the note of as much as it is formulaic, there's a lot of content. I think it produces a lot of great content. Like when I watch Thor Ragnarok, and uh, you know, you see Hulk jump out of that, uh, jump out of the, uh, the ship every single time and land and just splatter on the ground. That like, I'll laugh every time. I love, 
I love some of the humor just really hits. And when you walk in, not expecting, you know, to critique the movie, just walk in and just sit back and watch a good, good it, Marvel it's movie. It's certainly fun. It's so fun. For me, I'm kind of just tired of Marvel humor. Like, Marvel's humor throughout every single movie is the exact same. It's fair critique. That's and a fair critique. I, just the constant utter undercutting of serious moments for, like, deadpan humor of, like, I'm just tired. I'm just really tired of it. You're, they cut the emotional moments with humor. And a lot. it's of every that. time. It, mm-hmm. I, I think maybe why I liked Far From Home was they didn't do that to Aunt May. They didn't undercut it with a joke. No, that they let it sit. It was meaningful. It was Where very meaningful. The first, the the first, uh, the the second Spider-Man movie, after you know Endgame, you know Tony dies and all that, and immediately right in Spider-Man's like, oh, I want to get the girl, and like it's this weird undercutting of like I this whole you. tragedy happened, and you guys don't care. I get you. So. Hey, well, I, I wanted to. Br- you were trying to be hopeful, and I wanted to bring it down. And I'm gonna end it on a positive note again. Fair enough. Uh, Lord of the Rings. Wanted we'll it there. <laughs> All right, it's been a good one. All right, see y'all later. Uh, please leave a comment, subscribe, go to our YouTube page. Check all that out. Check all those things out. We're also on Spotify and Apple. Check that out. But just watch the yeah, YouTube. Yeah, why not? What? Just watch us. Why? I mean, if you're in a car, tell us what you, you think um, down below, and tell us what we should talk about next. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.